0: love if you're horny let's do it ride it my pony my saddle's waiting come, Jump on it! It's episode twenty-one, season five. Rajalava, of course, was Pony by Genuine. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Hello, Renee. (laughs) How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good.
1: Um, Welcome back to our show, listeners. This week, our theme is disability. So, fun fact: July is Disability Pride Month. So, um, oh, trez apropos. Yeah. Yeah. It's disability that. Pride, it's disability awareness month. Um, so yeah, disabled people exist. Disabled people are queer. Disabled people are black. Disabled people are indigenous. Disabled people are lots of different things. Um, right. Sorry, sorry. Disabled people are real. Disabled people are for real, for real, um, and they do not exist to be an inspiration to able-bodied people, um, but um, just fun fact, but yes, we chose disability as our theme this week for actually a very particular reason that goes beyond Disability Pride Month. Um, why are we talking about uh, disabilities this week, Renee?
0: Oh, well, that's because, Julie, we found out that I'm disabled, and uh, <laughs> what, I'm a disabled person.
1: <laughs> yeah, capital D, disabled person, is uh, Renee. Renee, what, uh, what horrible fucking diagnosis did you get saddled with recently?
0: Well, my missus is is putting lesions on my brain, and by <laughs> missus, I mean multiple sclerosis. <laughs> the MS. See, that was the joke I was taught. It's the missus my old lady right well i love it ah oh, my old lady's I on my back again it's like it's the missus the missus just uh, <laughs> won't let me cover up my nerves anymore <laughs> bitch
1: um so yeah renee has lesions on the brain um so many
0: lesions they didn't even count them <laughs> Oof. so Ooh. don't want to brag uh, not to brag but also
1: for folks who don't know, Renee is actually pretty capital B basic in the sense that um, the population in the world with the highest rates of MS are white women and Canada has <laughs> some of the highest rates of MS in the world. Literally, we're like leading the world for MS. And I thought, oh, it's just because we're really good at testing for it. Nope. Nope. Like researchers from around the world are looking at Canada specifically to try to understand why we got so much miz Up and Dis
0: biz. So. Yeah. I think I got it from the mumps that I had a few years ago. And, uh, because of that eldritch terror virus <laughs> or whatever. Uh, what is it? Like the Roseanne bar virus. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 And, uh, I had the mumps and it comes from that. So I thought it was that. But my father doesn't believe I have it. And oh. so, yeah, because he's like, well, Renee, uh, there, th- nobody else in your family has it. No, there's no history of this in our family. And I'm like, you don't, it's not necessarily genetic. And so what he this week he sent me an email that said, anti-nuclear antibodies, a test that might help. Um, and the reason he did this was because my mom in the 90s got... Tested for everything because she was super sick. Did you ever see the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns goes to get tested for everything, and the doctor's like, "There's just so many things they can't get through the door. Otherwise, it would kill you." Have you seen that episode?
1: No, I have not. But I also am a failure of an elder millennial and have seen maybe combined twelve episodes of The Simpsons in my entire life. So,
0: okay, yeah, Pepper, your
1: your dog is also holding me accountable for my failure as a millennial, and for that, I respect it. Yeah. (laughs) So, well,
0: so my sentence. mom my mom apparently was like riddled with disease and illness and all of these things. I personally think that she was just burnt out as hell and had a ton of trauma and all kinds of things and it just wore her out um, and maybe led to like chronic illness and chronic pain issues. Um, but, my, but one of the things that she used to love to say was um, like anti-nuclear antibodies because they told her she had those. And um, so my dad sent me an email with that in the title and just saying, given your mother's history, you might want to check for antinuclear antibodies in a blood test. And he gaslit her so much to be like, uh, you're not actually sick. You're just looking for attention. And when she got her cancer diagnosis, he was like, you know, is, is she does she really have cancer though, Renee? Is it really stage four and then it was like she probably did this to herself because she makes it very difficult for doctors to believe her and i was like wow and yet here's this email where he says anti-nuclear antibodies no less than 6 times and it's like a three-line email oh, and then he no. attached cuz he knows i'm like i am an academic sir you need to get <laughs> out of my way so he attached he attached a um an academic article i guess wow. he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to reach me where i'm at published in 1998 uh from research they did between 1990
1: and 1992
0: wow so, yeah and, and then the most compelling research we have now has really only come out in the last like two three years so it just goes to show um your dads don't know anything <laughs> people like listeners i'm, I'm sorry I, i'm sure some of you love your dads um but they don't know as much as they think they do.
1: No. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the brain scan showed what it showed. Um, yeah. So I'm going to trust them over your papa. Um, but yeah. So many for, MRIs. So many. so many brain scans, you poor thing. And so you are in good company because it is typically white women from Canada who get it. But I see you, um, ladies. I see you, but also some famous celebrities that have MS. Do you want to know some other people that are in the cool club with you? I sure do. Uh, Richard Pryor, famous comedian. Uh, Definitely not a white woman. Uh, Montel Williams. He was the first person I ever knew to have MS, literally was Montel. Uh, Jack Osborne. Oh. Um, famously Selma Blair and I say famously because she has been so vocal and outspoken and I, I really credit her frankly with like raising a lot of awareness about it. Um, Christina Applegate just announced that she had MS. I think that was like last year. Um, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Do you remember her? She is from the daughter from Old The House? Sopranos. Oh, no, from no. The okay. Sopranos. The daughter from The Sopranos. <laughs> what, the um, she yeah. has it and Mitt Romney's wife <laughs> As if
0: she didn't have it hard enough.
1: Honestly, she's already struggling through life, but we're going to give her some brain lesions on top of that. So... Woof. Um, rough. Uh, so that is what Renee has been dealing with and yet is still bringing you joke after joke after joke, week after week after week, because she's a goddamn professional. But um yeah Have so stay on the
0: show Julie if we don't laugh we cry.
1: <laughs> exactly. But you know if that means sometimes we got to take some breaks on the old pod because um Renee's having a flare up then that's what we're going to do um because part of uh being good both like just being a healthy person but also just being a good ally to folks with disabilities is like recognizing that our bodies decide what our bodies want to do and we just kind of got to roll with it and pushing through is for what not a fucking hero um so yeah Yeah, so that's why (laughs) so that's why we wanted to focus on uh disabilities this week and so uh, i don't know about you but in my case my author is disabled and she made her protagonist disabled
0: Ooh, so I thought that was cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. Yeah,
1: you want to hear about my book? I do. Well, here's the thing: we had decided we were going to do disability, and then I had a couple books in mind, and then I had this like ping light bulb moment of this book that I read for my book club last year that I really enjoyed, and I, when I was reading it, I thought, oh, this would be so good for the podcast sometime. And then I completely forgot about it. And then this week was like, oh my God, I could reread Seven Days in June um, by Tia Williams. So on the surface, I'm a Gemini. My 1974 Super Beetle is named June. So you're like, this is already speaking to me. But also the disability in question is the disability I have, which is chronic migraines. Oh. So, Tia Williams, the author of this book, um, gets vicious chronic migraines. I have what's called hemiplegic migraines, which are horrendous. Would not wish them all my worst enemy. And it's basically that, like, the headache is the least of your problems. I get paralysis on the left side of my body. I can't speak. I pass out. I throw up violently. I'm, like, pissing, shitting, puking at the same time. Like, what's that meme about, like crying puking whatever that's like screaming crying puking like that's me just like i literally i'm on it's like so 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 bad um and she has similar in that it's like so excruciatingly painful that she's on like heavy narcotics when she has these flare-ups um and so i thought that was Very cool because I have never in my life seen migraine representation in fiction, to be honest. And one of my big pet peeves is when someone has a really bad headache or just a headache and they're like, Oh my God, I have a migraine. I'm like, fuck you. Is it a migraine or is it a bad headache? Because you can have a bad headache, but like Mm -hmm. a migraine is its own beast. (laughs) So fun fact about Tia is she had a 15 year career as a beauty editor for Elle, Glamour, Lucky, Teen People, Essence. Um, She now is the editorial director at Estee Lauder. Okay. And she is so goddamn beautiful. It's like, it like takes your breath away. Like this woman's author photo. And I was like, okay, does she just have like a great author photo? No, I Googled her. She is a smoke show. (laughs) Like, I don't think I've seen a hotter author in my goddamn life. Like, whoo, she is so beautiful. And her book, is lovely so I'm a lot happens it's like you know over 300 pages it's a whole thing but I'll give you sort of a quick little summary Um, I will say get this book Uh, it's probably out in paperback now I'm sure it is Um, mine is a hardcover but uh, it was published in 2021 it was chosen as one of Reese's book club picks so that means there could be a movie in the future which I would love to watch Um, and It's so perfect for the show because our protagonist doesn't just have migraines. She's also a romance and erotica writer. Oh my God. Yes. So Eva Mercy is an erotica writer who has a series called Cursed, which is about like sexy vampires. And there's like 15 of these books and they have a cult following. So she has... Um, Tia Williams is a black woman. Her protagonist is also a black woman. But she has this like cult following of like middle-aged white women who are just like kind of Fifty Shades style, right? Who are just like, yes. And so she... You know, makes decent money doing this and, you know, has a good life, but she, her next manuscript is due. She's dealing with really bad writer's block, is looking for inspiration, just like really struggling, um, but is still doing these events, but feels kind of a little bit embarrassed in a way because she's like, you know, I know I write smut, basically, and I know my readers are not, you know, highbrow, highfalutin, literati type people. um, And so she doesn't feel like she's really like a real author, for example. Um, She's a single mom, and um, she got married really young to a guy who is now an animator at Pixar. uh, And he says to her, "Um, I wanted a wife and not a patient and he wow. yeah and look i've been there i was in a 17 year long relationship as someone who was very very ill um and not because of that relationship but just because of my life at the time and i didn't have good treatment and you know i hadn't yet dealt with my ptsd and all the things that aggravated my migraines so I know how much of a strain it can put on a relationship. I know how much of a burden you feel when you're like, sorry, I know we had dinner plans, but I'm going to go sit in the dark and throw up for six hours. Like it's not great, but I, oof, I was so crushed for her when I read that because I was like, fuck, that was my worst nightmare. And it's still my worst nightmare that I'm going to get in a relationship with someone else. And they're just going to be like, I can't deal with this, you know? So She's on quote unquote good terms with her ex and her daughter. He's now moved to California and her daughter spends summers with him. They have like a decent relationship, but she's, um, she's dealing with a, a long lost love, um, that continues to haunt her to this day. And so you find out that she had a very tumultuous childhood, Um, her mom was basically a sex worker unofficially and that she was constantly going from like boyfriend to boyfriend. And like, sometimes they would give her a job as like a server at their strip club, but it was very much like trading rent, like sex for rent. And so they moved around a lot and she had this very tumultuous childhood where she became like a really angsty teen, did a lot of drugs and like, didn't, you know, wasn't great at school and all these things, even though she was really, really smart. Um, And then also dealt with, even as a child, these like brain-splitting migraines and absolute agony. And so a lot of the drug use was her just trying to medicate the fucking chronic pain that she was in. So one of her closest friends, who's also her editor, calls her up and says, Eva, I have an opportunity for you. Um, There is this prestigious black literary event that has this panel, and one of our panelists dropped out, and I would love to have you be on it. And she's like, dude, I write fucking smut. Like, I can't sit here with these highbrow, falutin' people. Like, that's not my scene. And she's like, yes, it is. You're smart. Also, it's great publicity for you. And who knows? Maybe being in that environment will spark some creativity and it'll help you, you know, write this manuscript that you owe me. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. Well... Wow. She feels out of place as a romance author. Um, But since her sales are stagnant and she needs the inspiration, she goes. And girl, she gets the motherfucking inspiration because who does she run into? The media darling known as Shane. And when he walks on the stage, people gasp. Um, He is an incredibly famous black author who is interrupted fucking gorgeous, but unbeknownst to people in the audience is now struggling to be a writer while sober for the first time in his entire life. Um, He also only agreed to be on the panel because Eva would be there and he wants to tell her why he ran out on her all those years ago. (gasps) Then we flash back and we realize he's the, the bad boy in her novels And his novels have this character called Eight. That is her. And so you realize they have been writing to each other via their books, whether they're conscious of it or not, Uh, right? And so then it flashed back and you realize he came from a very troubled background. He was in foster care. He was constantly getting into fights and dealing drugs and using drugs. And they, one of her many schools that she went to They met, they had this whirlwind romance where they had this incredible connection, um, did a fuck ton of drugs, did all kinds, of like broke into houses and did bad shit, quote unquote. Um, And then he just dipped and she never heard from him and has sort of just been like, okay. And then found out that he became this massive sensation, but never said anything to anybody. So when he walks on the stage, everyone's like fawning over him because he's like, this media darling and he's elusive and mysterious, but his writing is so smart and he's so charming. And she's sitting there thinking, Oh my fucking God, I can't believe he's here. So then he approaches her and says, can we please go for coffee? And she's like, uh, okay, but really cold to him. And then he says, you know, part of being an AA is making amends for fuck-ups in the past. And so I just want to tell you what happened. And she's like, I've moved on. Like, I can't, don't rip off this band-aid. Like, I can't. Uh, It was good to see you, but like, this is done. Then she admits to her friends who he is, to her, and they cannot believe it. They're like, what do you mean you had this whirlwind romance with like the hottest man alive who's like the hottest writer and you've never said anything what the fuck and you basically the rest of the book is sort of unraveling what they had those seven days in june and Um. how they like whether it was just we were young and fucked up and super horny and just hot for each other or was there something, was there more to it? And is there a reason why we've been writing to each other in our books? And there's a reason why we just can't let it go. Or is it unhealthy that we can't let it go because we were both so fucked up at the time, you know? Um, and um, that's it basically is like this beautiful modern day where he's t- really trying to make it work. And she's just very much, she's very guarded and then eventually she's like, oh, fuck, I can't deny the sparks are there. So there's like some very hot, spicy scenes, which I quite enjoyed. Um, and there's this, you know, there's this tension with the daughter being like, you know, my mom's dating someone that's fucking weird. And then, you know, she's dating someone who's famous. So that's like, there's paparazzi shots of her mom with him and all this kind of like tension. So there's like some mother daughter stuff and there's like some interesting family stuff. Um, because the character is Creole. And so there's like some interesting stuff about like the women in her family, Um, having like witch powers and stuff like that. That's like quite interesting. Um, and, um, then they get a beautiful happily ever after. So they decide, he decides that they're like, no, this is, this is for real, for real. And let's make it work. And I'm going to move to the city and we're going to inspire each other to be writers from a healthy place. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to be sober. Um, and you're going to be t- writing the stories that you actually want to write instead of writing smut that pays well. And that's easy for you to write. You're going to really follow your dream because we're going to like gas each other up. So I I mean, I loved it when I read it like a year and whatever ago it was. And I liked rereading it this week. Um, There's some very funny parts. Like the opening scene is like, what's the opening line? It's like, she's, oh, it's, it just takes you by surprise. You're like, oh, it's literally in the year of our Lord. This is like literally prologue. In the year of our Lord, 2019, 32 year old Eva Mercy nearly choked to death on a piece of gum. She'd been attempting to masturbate when the gum lodged in her throat, cutting off her air supply, and as she slowly blacked out, she kept imagining her daughter, Audrey, finding her flailing about in Christmas jammies while clutching a tube of strawberry lube and a dildo called the quarterback. (laughs) 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 And you're like, okay, I'm in, but then, and so there's like very funny parts to it, but also... Like, real depth and complexity. And, like, even her mom, who you could look at as, like, an incredibly negligent mother who put her daughter in these situation where she was constantly, like, thwarting the advances of these, like, pedophile creeps, still was, like, she was a product of her environment. And so you get, like, the mom's backstory. And then, like, you know, as someone who had, like, I'm, no part of me was surprised to find out that Tia Williams herself has migraines because, like, her depictions of them And were so, like, felt so real to me. And so that representation was really great. And, like, yeah, his backstory wasn't just, like, the bad boy. He was, like, tortured by his upbringing. And, yeah, and, like, it just felt realistic, too. Like, in terms of how, I don't know if you've had this experience, but, like, I've had this experience where you just have, like, incredible chemistry with someone. Even, like, platonically, like, you know, you meet someone and you just, like, get along like a house on fire and you're like, we knew each other in a previous life or something because, like, I shouldn't feel that close to you. Jenny, um
0: that's, I know. That's you. That was, that's you I know. me. I know. That was us. That that's was bad. us at the mall when we met. Just, and so, like, you just said, like, I don't know if you've ever and I'm like, <laughs> stop right there.
1: Sorry. <laughs> but, like, in a romantic way, I've definitely had that in a romantic way where it was just, like, I don't know that I really like you as a person, but, like our physical chemistry is off the goddamn charts. Um, And so, but the idea that you can't just run with that, that like there has to be more to it than that. And I thought that was really well done because I think a lot of the romance stuff that we read is just like, they just run off sparks. And you're like, no, it has to have depth. You have to have more than just like incredible physical sexual chemistry. And so I just, I thought that was like, it felt really believable to me that these people met and like as teenagers and they still didn't get over each other, even though they're in their thirties because they both could sense there was more to it than that. So I really recommend it very fun. And like I said, because it was picked up by Reese's book club would not be surprised if it's like a mini series or a movie. And I would really recommend folks check it out if they do also just Google Tia Williams. Cause she's so beautiful. <laughs> so you're like, you can believe me when I say, um, so yeah, in terms of spice, I, I'll give it a five because this like the sex scenes were very hot but also like chemistry was palpable like it was really believable build up um and i love that and um yeah absolutely recommend this book so that was seven days in june by Tia williams that's what i read this did week
0: google her and she is a smoke show and she has a show on netflix actually like one of her books got turned into a show Oh
1: yeah, it's being it, It's being Gabrielle Union. I think is starring. So her first book got turned into a Netflix series, or is going to be a Netflix series? Or yeah. is it on there now?
0: I don't know. I think it's okay. like most anticipated or something.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So it's coming, and it's with Gabrielle Union. Um, and then yeah, she's written two YA novels, which I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, she just looks glamorous. Like you just look at her picture and you're like, this woman is so glam. And then you find out, then I read the bio and I was like, oh my God, yeah, she's literally like the director of beauty stuff at Estee Lauder. Like, of course. (laughs) And then she had like she had one of the first ever like fashion and beauty blogs. Like she was very ahead of the game in that sense. Um so if you need a little glam, you need some beauty. And again, it's an it's written by a black disabled woman about a black disabled woman. Um, so that's also super, super cool. And um, yeah, yes, yeah, so that's what I read this
0: week. But what
1: did you read, Bunny?
0: It's so funny because like the way you described your book is almost beat for beat my book. Um, what? Yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny. So, um, oh my God, I read, I read Not My Type uh, and it's with a K uh, by Evie Mitchell, who's that's the pen name for Kim Congram. And Kim, uh, writes romance novels, but she's also uh, a woman who lives with Crohn's disease. So she's like a big advocate for like awareness around Crohn's disease and like research and stuff. And, um, so yeah, so she wrote this book called not, uh, not my type with a K and I was like, right on. We got a shifter book. Perfect. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> even though the tagline is she's at the end of his
0: robe. Yeah, I was like, I I didn't read the tagline. I was just like, (laughs) there's a K on that. All right. (laughs) And I dug right in. Wasn't actually 100% sure what this was going to be about. But on the cover, there's a woman in a wheelchair. So I was like, okay. All right. So she's a shifter. There are shifters. She's going to get knotted. Perfect. I was like, representation matters. So, um, but (laughs) the book is actually about rope play.
1: Oh, so, like Shibari?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. damn.
1: Yeah. That so cover, like... I googled it. That cover looks like it's very chaste. It it's looks not. like it's
0: <laughs> Yeah. So it wow. comes with a bunch of content warnings and a whole terminology piece. So, talks about like Shibari and Shibaru and then um like what that means and how like she recognizes that she could fuck it up and how like like you know, she's doing the best she can based on the the research that she's done. And she talks about like how the tops are called riggers, are the ones that do the tying and everything. And then the bunny or the bottom is the person being tied up. Um, And yeah, so she says at the end of her thing was that while all care has been taken to ensure representation is respectful and inclusive, my sensitivity uh, readers and my personal experience is limited to our own knowledge and understanding. So I was like, that's wicked good good for you good for you um my book was fantastic like i'm just gonna say off the bat and i had another one in the pot just in case uh which was about a centaur saving a sex slave who was also an amputee (laughs) so i had that ready to go uh but i didn't need it i actually didn't even rush to read this book like i normally do where i try and bang it out like an hour before we record um (laughs) i started reading it yesterday to get kind of ahead of it and then i stayed up till one in the morning reading it because i enjoyed it so much yeah so it was this book had everything um (laughs) it was great so okay so we have um frankie uh kenton uh dr frankie kenton and frankie is uh, a sexologist i guess that's what I think her PhD is in like biology, though, but she's a sex therapist. Um, but more than that, she is a podcaster. And again, I didn't even know this going in. So she has a podcast <laughs> called All Access. And it came up because, um, you know, she was getting clients who were asking about accessible sex and accessible, like accessibility in the bedroom, accessibility overall. And so her podcast is basically about that. It's about all access, right? Um, and it's very, very famous. So famous in fact that um, she has just received a letter that she's been nominated for a potty, which is like a big podcast award. And um, she's not just been nominated for a potty. She's been nominated for podcast of the year along with seven other um nominations which is unheard of it's never even happened so her producer and friend christine comes in is like guess what bitch is a big deal and so they're all really excited because uh frankie wants to kind of like she and christine i guess her producer want to kind of take it next level and get her like a talk show or like something to that effect so if she wins this it's a really really big deal um and so she you know, is saying like nobody's ever gotten nominated for seven. And then there's this really famous podcast called wicked women. And they've only ever been nominated for two and they have listenership in the the millions. So she's like crushing it. This is going to be huge. So they decide that, um, they kind of have to elevate their episodes, um, because the judges are going to be listening. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so she, so Christine hands her a letter from a listener who wants to know about accessible rope play. And she's like, Oh, I don't actually know anything about this, really. Like, I know of it, but I don't know anybody. And so Christine's like, Well, do you think that um, you have any contacts? Like, do you know anybody who might be into it? And she's like, uh, I think. I know, like, a friend of a friend or something, so I'm going to look into it. So she is at, like, this dinner party with her brother, and all of her friends are there. Now, all of her friends are also disabled women, um, and they've been best friends since high school, but in the, like, accessible, like, all-access series book series, um, they, they all each have a book. So she has a friend who has a prosthetic leg. She has a friend who's blind and she has a friend who has Crohn's disease. And the one with Crohn's disease also owns a toilet paper subscription company, which I was like, brilliant, fucking brilliant. Right. And it's called Shit Happens. And I love that.
1: <laughs> oh, so my God. I love it. There's
0: a whole book about her. And I and I loved that, given that the author has Crohn's disease. So um, so she's talking to her friends. and She's like, I have to I have to do this. And. Um, like I don't know what to do, and they're like, "Oh, go talk to my brother, so and so, and and he probably knows somebody." So she goes, she talks to him. His name is Ren, and I was like, "Yay!" Um, and he's like, "I actually do know a guy." Um, and she's like, "Can I have his phone number?" And he's like, "Sure." So she texts him out of the blue, and his name's Jay. His name's Jay Wood, and he's a carpenter. It's hilarious. It didn't it didn't pass <laughs> me by, but um, she actually knows Jay because um she lives in a really small town called capricorn cove and i was like i love that alliteration so they all live in capricorn cove and um she knows him but was never really friends with him uh but she could kind of trust him because like he's friends of her friends brothers and and whatever okay so she texts him and she's like hey um you don't know who i am but uh i have this podcast and i heard that maybe you do like rope play um do you think you could help me out hoping that like if he can't he might have a a contact right And he's like actually yeah i teach classes on accessible rope play at this place called the a-list which is like a kink club in this really small town and the reason that there's a kink club in this small town is because everybody has sex in real life just so you know people um but it was also, like, a town that was populated by hippies at some point. So, uh. um, so he's like, why don't you come to the club, my next class, and you can you can watch. And she's like, okay, I'm going to need to take photos, too, at some point. And he's like, no problem. So he meets her, and he's, like, totally smitten. He's like, oh, my God. This girl's really hot. Um, and they she kind of is watching him do like talk about accessibility and real play and consent and she's kind of getting like butterflies she's like oh my god this guy's really really nice um and uh, he decides he's like frankie do you want to come and i'll do the ropes on you so that people can can kind of see and she's like okay um so then that whole scene he goes through like why as somebody with a disability and in somebody who's like being uh intimate with somebody with a disability, why consent matters and like, you know, setting ground rules and everything ahead of time. And he goes through the whole list and it was really, really good. Um but okay, so he's like tying her up and stuff. Um he's got like the other like the other host in the in the club and she's helping. So it's like very like academic but she's getting really really into it and the reason is is that she's been wheelchair bound her whole life because she had um spinal cancer when she was three and uh it just she was never gonna walk in but she, she's not letting that stop her right nothing's gonna keep her down so um in the role play it's like being like being very vulnerable and trusting somebody but also not having to be on. Like, leaving yourself to kind of be in that position and and be tied up and moved around and all of that without having to, like, navigate that yourself. So, she gets really, like, turned on and she's really into it. And she's like, holy shit. Um, and he's really into it. Um, And so, she's, like, whenever he unties her and stuff and is doing, like, aftercare. There's, like, a whole aftercare scene. love that. Uh, she's like, do you want to get dinner? And... We know he's super into her, but he says no. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, did I misinterpret that? But okay, whatever. So it turns out that he learned how to do the ropes because he um, he had like a Stifler's mom situation. He dated his friend's mom who had gone through a messy divorce like, and his friend went off to college. And so he like fucked her for like he kind of learned everything from her learned the robes, literally um uh. <laughs> i don't know she didn't teach him the rope part but she, he was madly in love with her and wanted to marry her and so they went on a trip and uh she like didn't come down for dinner where it's just where he was going to propose and so he went to go find her and she was like in bed with one of the bellboys or something and he was just like devastated and she sort of said, you know, you're just a fuck boy. You're not marriage material. You're never going to get married. Like you're just a fuck boy. And that's all you'll ever be. And he's just like fucking devastated. Right. And so that shaped his understanding of how he has relationships. He's always, you know, sincere and, um, you know, understanding and supportive and stuff to the people in the relationship, but for him, they're never permanent. Um, so he's like, well, I'm not going to go on a date with this woman because like, I really want to hook up with her, but, um, I want more, I think, but I can't do it. I'm not capable of being more than a fuck boy. So she decides she's not going to give up. So after like humming and hawing over it for a few days, she decides, you know, if I can't date him, I still want to know him. And like, he's going to be a really good contact because he knows all this stuff. So he's, he's really good. We get along great. I want to be his friend and, you know, we can, you know, use him moving forward. So, um, I'm going to see if he just wants to get dinner as friends. So he goes out to dinner with her as friends. And then they keep saying like, you know, this, is, this isn't a date. It's just friends. It's just friends. And, um, uh, while they're there, um, they have a conversation about like, what if we were the freighting they call it friend dating so it's like Uh they don't have sex but they maybe like canoodle a little like kisses and stuff right they want like Uh some intimacy but they're not going to have sex because it's going to complicate everything and she's like okay But as they're, like, wrapping up their dinner, her producer, Christine, shows up, and she's like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, oh, we're just, we're just having, we're talking about the show. And so she starts talking to um, Jay and realizes he has a really great voice, and so she's like, hey, why don't you come on the show for our next episode? And he's like, are you cool with this? Like, to Frankie, and she's like, as long as you are, but I also, like, I need, I want to take photos of, of the bondage. So maybe we can do that after the episode. And he's like, no problem. Cool. Happy to. But he's, like, super horny for her, Julie. And she's super horny for him. And so uh, he ends up going to her house and, like, recording an episode. Um, and it's, like, really beautiful, um, like, how well he does on the show and how earnest he is. But but the studio is in her house. And so he's, like... Um, He's like, well, how did you feel when you were um, being tied up? And she's like, she starts to get really turned on and he notices it. And then he's like, well, do you want to do it again? And she's like, yes. He's like, to the bedroom now. And then they like go and um, they don't bang, but um, it gets really like hot and heated. And then they decide after that, like, fuck it, that we're going to date. We're going to date um and so they do they date and he kind of slowly reveals pieces about his past with he talks a little bit about the ex-girlfriend uh but kind of in in a way that like she's she's just um like she was just a cougar and like i went traveling the world after she broke up with me i caught her in bed with someone else and like um you know that's how i learned about kink scene and all this by traveling and whatever but then we learn he's also grew up in foster care <laughs> just mm. like your guy um and so he's a carpenter because he you know was really rough and um this guy and his wife um were taking in foster kids and they kind of like fell in love with him and decided to give him like a forever home but they couldn't adopt him because his mother never gave up custody um so they can never adopt him, but, like, they've raised him and everything. And so he works for this dad's business. He's really good at it. He loves working with blood. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and so there's this whole scene where um, after two months, he brings her over for dinner. And she's really nervous because she's dated in the past. And often people, like, the, the parents would either react with, like, tears Because their Mm. baby boy was with, like, somebody who was disabled or, like, um, you know, just, like, very infantilizing with her and stuff. Um, So she's very nervous. And she – her friends are, like, well, why haven't you gone over already? And she's, like, well, there's stairs. And they're, like, so, Mm. like, how many? And she's, like, five. they're, like, well, you can get – like, he can help you up five stairs. And she's, like, I don't want him to. I don't want him to help me up these stairs. So we learn that, like, she's very proud Um, Like she has this little Jetta that she calls Dolly Parton, which I love. And it's completely tricked out for her. So it's got like a swing seat that comes out. Like she can get in and out of it all on her own. And the first time she drives him to his house, it's because he wanted to see how it worked. But she keeps reminding him, like, I'm not not here for you to, you know, be excited about these new things that you're around. And I'm not here for that. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm being really ableist. And she's like, you are. But like... It's cool. Like, I want to drive you home and it gives you a chance to see what my car can do. He's like, wake it. But we learned she's really proud. So he he builds a ramp. He builds a ramp for her because Uh, he wants her to come over. And so he has like a whole big family dinner planned. Both of them are terrible cooks. um, So they're excited to have like a home-cooked meal. (laughs) Um, And uh, so she meets his his parents his foster dad and his foster mom and it turns out the foster mom is like the host of that wicked women podcast Mm. and so she's like freaking out she's like i love your show um and so at one point the dad goes to like she goes to like be like hi you know it's nice to meet you and go to shake his hand and he just like looks her over and she's like oh here it comes and he's like in this house were huggers and then like he and the and the wife come in and they give her a big squeeze they're like we love you and she's just like i love it i love it so they're like wrapping up dinner and stuff and she's she says like i have to go to my car to get something and she doesn't come back and so jay goes out to find her and she's like pushing herself down the street and he's like what the fuck is going on and he runs after and he's like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I just need to get something from the rec center. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's 10 o'clock at night. And he starts to panic. He's like, are you going to see somebody? Like, who is it? Who, like what? And she's like, no, I'm not. And so finally she acquies- acquiesces and she's like, I can't get inside your bathroom. And mm. she's like, I'm going to the rec center because they have an accessible bathroom. And he's like, oh my God. And she's like, don't sweat it. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I I can do this. It's fine. And he's like, this is not going to do. And she's like, don't worry about it. Just I'll I'll just cover for me and I'll be back. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. So he walks inside and he's like, Dad, do you have your tools? And he's like, yeah. He's like, go get them. And then they start tearing out walls in the bathroom that's adjacent to his bedroom to build a wider bathroom for her immediately, like right then. And they don't even talk about it. They don't even bring it up. It's just um like his little like brother there is there and she's like what's going on she's like oh my god this is too much he's like nah he gets he gets like this sometimes when we just humor him and we just go along with it and she's like okay so nobody treats her differently in this family or like you know othered or differently abled and it's so beautiful so she feels right at home she feels so happy she's like this is it and he's starting to feel happy starting to believe like this could be it this this is legit So it's coming up to they decide they're going to go to like the potty uh, award thing. And it's a few days. So the first day is like um, like the meet and greet. Everybody's getting to know each other. The second day is like a like a like a panel, like a like a live. Oh, sorry. A live recording. Um, And then I think there's a panel later. Um, So she goes and he goes with her and he's decided like this is he's going to tell her that he loves her uh, on this trip. Um. And so they go, and he uh, he's, like, reading, uh, like, the itinerary or whatever, and he notices this name of Mackenzie, and he just, like, f- starts to freak out because that's the woman. That's the woman that broke up with him. And he's freaking out, and it turns out she's the host of this very successful podcast about, like, her life as a mistress, I guess? um and so she's the keynote speaker at this event and she's like he's like oh my god oh my god. he's freaking out and so she goes and she's like what the fuck is going on because she's like a brain doctor as well as a sexologist right so she's got like wicked patients um and like the psychology piece of it and you know so she understands like things trigger people in different ways and so she's not giving up on him even though he's acting like an asshole right so she's like, what's going on? He's like, she's the cougar that I told you about. And so he tells her the true story about what happened. And she's like, okay, let's just fucking leave. Let's go. We don't need to be here. And he's like, um, absolutely not. This is the biggest night of your life. And I want to be here for you. This is about you, not me. Like, I, I'll deal with it. Like, he's like, I feel better now. We talked. I feel okay. So she's like, okay. So they go in. They decide they're going to go sit. And turns out she's sitting at their table, of course. Um of course. And so she shows up and she's like, oh, my God, Jay, like, I didn't expect to see you here. And then she's like eyeing um, Frankie, like, up and down, like, hmm, okay. Um, And finally, she's like, I didn't realize you guys are together and all like this stuff. And then um, one of the things about Mackenzie is that, like, she got famous because of, like, one of her first episodes, which is about – a guy and it turns out it's him but she doesn't like she calls him like the boy toy so like the boy toy episodes are her most famous episodes um so they kind of like snub her to be like stay away from us whatever you know like we we don't need this negativity or whatever without saying any of that um they're just trying to like brush her off So she goes up for a keynote speaker or speech and then she mentions like oh, everybody who liked my boy toy episodes, he's here tonight. And like, is like James Wood stand up and like completely humiliates him. um, And he's, and like, they're finding it all very endearing, but he like panics and he runs away. And so of course, Frankie goes after him and he's like, I, I can't do this. Like, I absolutely not. Like I can't um, because he had run into her at the bar and she's like, you're a fuck boy. Like, why are you even trying to have a relationship with this poor disabled woman? Like, you're just going to break her heart. And that's not cool. Like trying to like flip it in this really weird way. Um, and he believes it, like it really triggers him. And so he breaks up with Frankie and she's like, you know what? I know that you don't mean this. And I know that something upset you. Um, so I wish you would talk to me, um, you know, but he's like, no, I can't. Goodbye. And he runs away. But she's still at these awards. She's at the awards thing. Like, she's not going to give up. But her friends find out. So her friends go to his house and they toilet paper it, which I thought was hilarious. Um, They TP his house because they have a toilet paper company. And they're mad at him. And they're like, (laughs) the fuck? Like, why would you do this? And so they figure it all out. And then they're like, oh. And then they're like, oh, my God, you really love her like you need to you need to get in there like, you need to you need to fix this and um it turns out that like the um the person who was supposed to interview her for her uh like live recording um got food poisoning so Mackenzie's gonna be the one to do it and so he's like we gotta get to her we gotta like we we gotta do a grand gesture i have to do a grand gesture and they're like all right buddy so they they go to do it. Now it wasn't anything like upsetting. It was it was okay. It was, it was basically just showing up for her anyway. Um so they rush out there. Meanwhile, she is kind of like about to go on with Mackenzie and she's like, "You know what, Mackenzie? What you did to him was terrible and so hurtful and he you know, is really struggling. He struggled for a long time. And it's really not cool that you like used him like that. And I, I believe in change and growth. And I would really urge you to go get some help. And she's like, Oh, I've never, so they do their, they do their recording. It goes really, really well. And then there's like a Q and a, so there's all these people asking questions. And then as they're wrapping up, somebody's like, wait, I have a question. And it's him of course. And he runs in and he asks a bit about like, you know, What do you do when the person you're with has, you know, all of these, like, heavy insecurities? Um, And, you know, so she kind of. She kind of fixes it inadvertently by, like, him asking questions, you know, like, can you like, can you stay with somebody who makes bad mistakes because they have insecurities and all this stuff? And it was really, really beautiful. And he's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you. And it's all like in front of there. And then there's like a couple epilogues. And uh, the first one's like, uh, I don't know. They're just like getting like they're at an event and then doing stuff with their friends. And then the second one is like they get married. And then um, he like does a striptease for her uh spicy yeah but it's to jenny wine's pony which is why
1: ah uh, that's the full circle from the start yeah that's why that's episode.
0: why yeah it was like it. Got it. um yeah this this book was like so funny and so real and it i'm so glad it had a happily ever after but like it was spicy as fuck, Julie. Like, ooh. Oof, it was so fucking hot. And like the whole... So because she is paralyzed, mostly from the waist down, um, when they're having their like friend talk, like, can we be like, can we freight? She says, yes. We both want to fuck each other though. So in the event that that happens, you need to know these things. And so one of them is like, you have to wash your hands before you touch me. Because if you, if you don't and I get a UTI, I'm gonna end up in the hospital. And then it's like also you have to help me clean up after. I have to get clean up immediately. I have to go pee immediately. Like these are gross things, but you need to know in case we ever do this. Cause she's a sex therapist, right? So she's like, yeah. We got we gotta fucking do this right now. And so, like as the book progresses, she like says later that when she hears her man go wash his hands, she has like a Pavlovian dog response to it at this point because she's like, "I know what's coming. But like he like she is a praise king, so he's like does like he praises her and then he like ties her up and like it's this is just it's really beautiful. But then they also, because he needs to like apply a bit more pressure when he touches her below the belt because she might not feel it otherwise like he always has lube and like he like takes her instructions all the time so that he knows what she likes and then um yeah it's just it, w- it was pretty cool it was a pretty cool book probably the best book i've ever read about like what genuine communication genuine <laughs> um <laughs> what like genuine communication and like consent looks like um it was super cool he, also he like before he ties up his ropes he like must, he like gets a hair elastic and puts it on his wrist and then he like gives her a scalp shots and then puts her hair up so it doesn't get tangled in the ropes god they thought of everything they thought of everything oh man uh, i no. love it yeah it was it was a really sweet book um and it was so fucking spicy like i just yeah it was it was very spicy and i was like god damn all the smokes um so what are you gonna read uh i'm gonna read just i guess like where uh he's gonna tie her up i guess for the first time okay so so they're in a class um and he's just kind of like touching her for the first time so okay are you ready i'm ready okay then it opens with are you ready Uh, (laughs) (laughs) are you ready yes her breath caught as i shifted behind her my body purposefully crowding hers i reached around holding my hands out in front of her her body cradled in mine let's begin give me your hands Without hesitation, she lifted her hands, settling them in mine. I slid the hair tie from her wrist, my hands running up her arms slowly, then back down to grip her wrists, positioning her hands on either side of her for balance. Satisfied, I ran my fingers through her hair, gathering her pastel pink locks in my hands. She made a small sound as I gently massaged her scalp, encouraging her to relax under my touch. Okay, I whispered, watching the small goosebumps prickle her skin. Yes. To keep her hair free of the robe, I tied her locks in a bun, my hands slipping down her neck, across her shoulders and down her back, gliding over the material of her shirt, priming her body for the rope. The warm spotlight painted shadows and highlights across Frankie's fair skin and created a barrier between us and the rest of the class. I knew if I squinted I'd see the faces of the watching class, but I wouldn't look. All my focus had to be on Frankie. Close your eyes, Rainbow. The pet name felt right as it fell from my tongue. If she noticed, Frankie didn't react. Her eyelids drifted slowly shut, following my direction. A small exhale, slipping free as she relaxed against my hands. Tension pulled uh, pulled low in my gut, my cock aching at her submission. Good girl. And then it goes into her and she's like, holy fuck, this guy's hot. It's pretty funny. So um, the book was like really funny and then they go to the rope thing and I was like, okay, okay, I see, I see what level... <laughs> we're working with here okay and it just it describes like her kind of visceral reaction to things in a really cool way and uh 10 out of 10 10 out of 10 for this great little book it wasn't little it was almost it was like 300 pages but i loved it also shout out to our producer josh because uh kim congram has a book called just joshin just joshin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, and i was like why don't we say that more why don't we say that more in re- regards to josh let's bring I'm it just back. yeah just joshing.
1: Bring it. just joshing we're just joshing just joshing, joshing up this episode <laughs> love that Lo- especially joshing. when he puts a little puts a little spice on it with some fun audio and what have you yeah good we're just joshing it
0: <laughs> just joshing we need like a little theme song like Renee and Julie, just josh it around. Josh is the producer <laughs> and he's not around. So we're josh it. Just josh it. It's Renee and Julie joshin around. Yeah. It, it, that's a that, workshop in that.
1: I love what you're working on so far. Draft one. <laughs> killing it. No yeah. notes. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Honestly, I think we should just end there because the part I was going to read is kind of deep and intense. And I think just Jashin, a theme song is, <laughs> is, is honestly a better choice. So that's it. I don't uh, I don't want to rob you
0: of your reading.
1: No, no, no. It was just a, my, the part that made the most sense to read because you don't need a bunch of context Um, is, was a bit deep. So, I mean, alternatively, I can just finish the page one about masturbation, but you, you got a taste. You got a taste of it.
0: It, it literally opens
1: with her <laughs> um almost dying. Um and saying the obituary headline would be Death by Dildo, hell of a legacy to leave her orphaned twelve year old. So it. but yeah, still had some depth. Had some depth, had some layers. It was like an onion, if oh, you will. Well.
0: You know who else is like an onion? <laughs> Ogres. Ogres,
1: Ogres. Julie
0: Ogres oh. are like onions. Also, the man <laughs> in my book was like an onion because he had many layers. So, uh, before we go, I, ha- I just have a big announcement.
1: Oh my goodness! You having a yeah. mess wasn't a big enough announcement?
0: No, fuck that. Fuck that, missus! Fucker! <laughs> um, <laughs> today, I bought... The twelve foot skeleton from Home Depot. No, I did it. I did it. It's being shipped to the store as we speak, and I have to going to get it home. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cram it in my palisade. Baby, it's uh, yeah, it's in a box. Like I have to build it. Oh my God, Renee, your dream has come true. I know. So you I have I, been pining for this. I have, and I've been working feverishly on my book. I deleted a whole like three chapters so it's coming it's it, it's it's, it's, gonna happen. it's gonna happen oh
1: my god first you got the skeleton then you got the skeleton adjacent book coming god damn y'all that is a huge announcement renee has ms and a 12
0: foot skeleton you heard it here folks and you know what never nothing, a dull moment at renee's house nothing is wrong with his miley and sheath Ew. Oh. Hard as ever, baby. Congratulations, Renee. You have arrived. Thank you so much. I did it. I did it. Look at us. Look at us. Who'd have thought? Just joshing. Just joshing. (laughs) 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 Wow.
1: What a time we have had together. (laughs) Uh, After reading terrible stories written by a... Slut-shaming, misogynist, not-a-girls-girl. I'm glad we're back in the saddle of reading True Romance and Erotica. Really, our place to shine. And uh, what a great return. Back to the OG content. Your book was great. My book was great. We love that. It hasn't happened in a long time where we both like our book. So, love this for us.
0: You know how like our author last week was not-a-girls-girl, like you just said? No. Yeah. Our Josh is a guy's guy. Just Josh. Mm -hmm. Just Josh. (laughs) <laughs> he's just joshing it's just he's just joshing. Joshing. he's a guy's guy
1: love that love that for him and for us and love I love you Renee and I love
0: you Julie and you. our
1: listeners and supporters thanks again for listening and making it through another hour of wacky adventures with Julie and Renee here
0: on Robert's Love Julie and Renee just joshing around <laughs> <laughs> sing us out for real please Take it away. <laughs> sure will, girl. <laughs> Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the show is created by Kevin McKnight. Very special thanks to Josh Shenfield for production assistance. You can find Josh on Instagram at Fushigiyami. That's F-U-S-H-I-G-I. YAMI on Instagram. Connect with us at Ravage Love on Instagram and Twitter, or by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.